0: Welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up tomorrow, a preview of the 2023 General Assembly with the two leaders who will preside over the session, which begins on Wednesday. Senate President Bill Ferguson and Speaker of the House Adrian Jones will join me to outline their legislative priorities. Plus, Ovita Wiggins, a veteran State House reporter for The Washington Post, will offer her perspective. So that's on the way tomorrow. And now we will turn our gaze to Washington for a look at what transpired in the House of Representatives last week. It was not a pretty sight. A little after 1 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, the House of Representatives extended their, or rather ended their stalemate over electing a speaker, finally giving the gavel to Kevin McCarthy on the 15th vote. The House will reconvene this evening at 5 o'clock to begin hammering out rules changes that McCarthy pledged to enact in exchange for the votes that he needed from extremists in his party. Almost all of the 20 Republicans who withheld their votes from McCarthy until the wee hours of Saturday morning are election deniers, as is McCarthy himself. It's anybody's guess as to just how weakened McCarthy will be working under rules that greatly attenuate the Speaker's power. Congressman Kwaisi Mfume represents the 7th District, which includes Baltimore City, and he joins us on the phone. Congressman, Happy New Year. Welcome back.
1: Thank you very, very much, Tom. I'm I'm glad to be back. And I, I must say, as an aside, I think I'm going to be listening to the show tomorrow because it sounds that interesting. All of us are waiting to see what happens in Annapolis, and I thank you for moving forward with that.
0: Absolutely. We do it every year and pleased to do it. Um, before we talk about what happened in the House of Representatives last week, Uh, Of course, you were there sitting through all of those votes. Um, I do want to ask you about this decision by the Baltimore Office of Promotion in in the Arts to cancel the Martin Luther King Day parade, which now has been, as the mayor just said, uh, reinstated. It'll take place next Monday, Martin Luther King's uh, holiday, um, you 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 were one of the first uh, public officials to come out. Uh, you called it disrespectful, uh, and you said that it was uh, you know just simply uh, unacceptable uh, to, to to make this decision. Why why is this event so important? Uh, and what's your take on uh, how this situation came to be?
1: Well, Tom, I think first and foremost, you don't have a annual event that you've already counseled for two years and then announced 11 days before uh, it's scheduled to take place that it's not going to take place. That's totally disrespectful to the communities, to the young people, to the bands, to all the organizations that every year try to do what they can to celebrate in this fashion, Dr. King. So it's just a lot of disrespect there and absolutely no forethought. I mean, there was no consultation with anybody. It was a, a unilateral decision. And as we saw, the finger-pointing started after that. And I think more than anything else, um, it was just kind of not fair to tell people how they should celebrate Dr. King. Uh, The fact that people want to do a day of service and want to have a parade are not mutually exclusive things, and they happen and can happen together. But the statement that came out that said, well, we're not going to have it, so you should do a day of service, and if you'd like more information call this number that's not the way we want to see that operation take place uh, and i think it offended a lot of people
0: well, as I said, um, uh, the parade will take place. The mayor is saying that his office will now uh, organize it, and it will uh, take place as it has in years past, other than the COVID years. So let's talk about last week uh, on the floor of the House of Representatives. Um, your uh, understanding uh, of uh, what the what the what the the new speaker uh, had to acquiesce to. Uh, in order to get the votes from his caucus to be elected Speaker of the House, uh, there's an awful lot of people uh, thinking that that he really sold the store here. Um, what what do you think um, th- those uh, items that he acquiesced to uh, are going to mean for Congress going forward in the next couple of years?
1: Well, I think it poses the possibility of great deadlock, uh, particularly on things like the uh, the debt limit. It increases the likelihood that uh, if people do not like a direction in which uh, the majority may be going, that they can offer untold number of amendments uh, that just go on and on and on for days and weeks, even though they know those amendments are not going to to be adopted. It means that the Speaker is in a tenuous position by uh, this motion to vacate, which means, as most of us now know, that... Any member of uh, the House can call for his uh, removal, uh, and there will be a vote every time that that happens. And um, the notion of making committees, investigative bodies, by putting at the head of those committees people who are election deniers, people who uh, are pretty much bomb throwers and people who have no no real answer as to how to get things done. So we're going to turn into a Congress where there is one investigation after investigation, uh, and they're gearing up now for an investigation of the FBI. Uh, there's an, uh, a, an attempt now to start garnering votes to call for and to move to have the dismissal of the head of Homeland Security. Uh, I would not be surprised if there would be an attempt to try to get even the Attorney General to resign. Um, This is going to be a severe case of the tail wagging the dog, and it does not help our country. It does not help the Constitution that we are all working under, and it certainly doesn't help us as Americans who, at the end of the day, expect that no matter who's in charge, you'll learn how to work together. Uh, That's not the case with extreme MAGA Republicans. They really don't want to work with anybody that does not feel as they do.
0: Is there any opening for Democrats to work with Speaker McCarthy uh, or... Uh, is it also the case, uh, given what you've just said, which I uh, agree with wholeheartedly uh, as, a, as a, a, an analysis of what's going on, um, is, uh, if Kevin McCarthy were to work with Democrats and get votes uh, from Democrats to get things over the line, uh, to get, to get uh, bills passed, would that spell a death knell for him? Would his caucus then uh, simply uh, not tolerate that?
1: I think it would based on uh, what we've just seen recently and how entrenched and ingrained these feelings are among these MAGA Republicans uh you have members of what we now call the regular uh, Republican Party uh who are fiscal conservatives but who at the end of the day believe that you've got to find a way uh to reach consensus to govern they're they're completely uh in the minority they're being driven now by this other group and so if speaker McCarthy does and I assume that he will probably try at some point in time to find consensus on some issues with Democrats. Uh it's a very volatile situation that could blow up anytime because uh those extreme members of his party just think that that's not the way you should govern. So the Democrats uh and I don't want to speak for all of us on this side of the aisle but uh, most Democrats are as we've been uh, regardless of who's in power, we believe that we've got to find a way to find consensus on things that are not philosophically so strange that it causes problems. Uh and we're prepared to sit down and, and talk about that. But when you can't have the dialogue to begin with, it's very hard to reach the consensus.
0: What about complaints from Republicans, even some moderate, so-called moderate Republicans, not uh, affiliated with the MAGA wing necessarily, uh, that, for example, the omnibus bill that was just passed a couple of weeks ago, the $1.7 trillion, uh, instead of doing the individual appropriations bills, there's about a dozen of them that uh, under regular order would be voted on one at a time. Instead, everything was lumped together in this one gigantic bill. They're saying that that's not the way to govern, uh, and they want to change rules that would disallow that sort of thing from happening in the future. How do you respond to that uh, critique?
1: Well, I think they should have allowed the individual 13 appropriations bills to go through. But when you don't want to sit down and talk about them and you criticize them or you refuse to show up to vote for them, Uh, or you use delaying tactics, then after a while you realize that you don't have the ability to get those through, and you've got to get them through if the government's to operate. So it became a part of the omnibus bill. But uh, one of the interesting things that uh, many Republicans in the House don't talk about is that there were members of the Senate, Republicans, who supported it. (laughs) You know, it didn't get to the House without going through the Senate. So um, this, this is an interesting sort of juxtaposition that they raise when they say it's the wrong way to govern. Uh, I agree; it's better to do the thirteen appropriations bills when you can do them, and they all should be done by September. But that was not the case here.
0: And uh, what is your uh, understanding of committee assignments? Do, do Democrats have any uh, leverage uh, in being assigned to committees, and uh, even uh, you know, be, being uh, having any leadership at all on subcommittees?
1: Well that's a very very good question Tom. You know the um, committees are appropriated based on ratios and the ratios are developed by how many Republican members of the House there are and how many Democrats. As a quick example, if I'm on the education committee and um my party's in in charge, there may be 13 seats and uh, that I have and 10 seats that the other party would have to name members to. Once that changes it reverses and goes the other way and of course the chairmanships uh then are determined differently because of the numbers that the new majority would have so to answer your question there's very little opportunity for democrats to govern as a chair of any of these com- committees um, and uh the ratio will ensure that the voting members of each committee uh is reduced uh, by party and in this case democrats numbers would be reduced significantly on on each one of the committees. Um, some of this will come up in today's rules package that we'll be voting on uh this evening. Uh some of it has already been worked out as a result of the deals that Kevin McCarthy has cut by promising chairmanships, promising uh people uh significant roles on committees of oversight and uh giving away as much as he could give in order to get the votes that he got.
0: Well, Congressman, I know we need to let you go. Uh, you have a busy day as always. Congressman Kweisi Fume. he represents the 7th District, which includes Baltimore City here in Maryland. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Tom. Okay. Coming up, Russell Berman of The Atlantic will join me with analysis of the McCarthy saga in Congress. We're going to take a quick break. First, or email midday at wypr.org. You can tweet us at midday at WYPR if you have questions or comments when Russell Berman joins me on the other side. Stay with us.
1: This is 88.1. WYPR.